Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. What's going on, everybody? It's Dave Mormon here, home service business coach, coming at you with another episode here. And I was just reflecting, like, it's pretty uh, pretty awesome. We're now over 55 episodes on this podcast. So a lot of you have been uh, faithfully listening along over the past year. And so I very much thank you for that. Um, I find a lot of people you know, are maybe quick to start a podcast, but it just requires like so much work to keep it up regularly um, that they kind of fizzle out. So my goal is to just keep this thing going for a good long time and stack up uh, hundreds and hundreds of episodes of free actionable advice that you can put right into your service business, whatever that may be. Those of you who know my story, know I've got a background in house painting, couple different companies there. Uh, I'm now into washing and Christmas lights. I've got a um, business coaching company as well, home service business coach. Uh, and I also actually run a, a third business. I don't talk about it as much, but I did want to make a short kind of episode just kind of airing a little bit more details on that for those of you that are interested. Um, and that is I've got a real estate uh, rental uh, company that I run as well. So of my three businesses that I'm active in, this is definitely my most uh, passive form of income. And I've only been uh, in real estate now for going on nine years. So, um, you know, it's not a crazy amount of time, but I've also been able to generate some wealth on that side of things. And so when I look at my spectrum of different businesses, um, the most the most operational heavy one is for sure uh, my brick and mortar uh, business, my cleaning business with the Christmas light division. Uh, when we look at uh, which one's heavily online uh, is my coaching business and then which one is most passive uh, is the real estate business. And all of these have beautiful things about them as well as challenges about them, right? For example, the home service business has the most employees and so there's going to need the most uh, you know, heavy operational management structures uh, in, in that business of the three. But that also is the business that has, um, you know, a, a great impact and also is able to do uh, good in the community as well as uh, abroad with our projects for education and clean water, which, you know, I'm very passionate about. Uh, I love the coaching business because um, it, it's a, it's very, uh, it's been able to be leveraged very well, right? I'm able to talk to a group for an hour or two and go really deep on a specific subject uh, and the owners on the call there can come off that and have just breakthroughs and implement into their business you know if i have 20 people on a call and let's say most of them go out and take action like that's a tremendous amount of input and you know in my service business when you clean someone's house or put up christmas lights they're obviously like stoked with the work you do but when you can change someone's like business fundamentally um, that can change their life, that can create generational wealth, that can 
change someone's family tree. And so it's, I think it's more of a, a deeper level of service than just performing the service in my service business. Um, you know, the, the home service coaching is amazing because I can connect with people all across the globe. Uh, and I'm able to change businesses through the knowledge that I've acquired uh, and my coaching abilities over the years. So, you know, that one is, is a great business as well. Um, and then the last one is probably like the most non-sexy business of the three, um, but is just like steady cruising along. And that is the real estate side, which I want to talk about today um, is, you know, that doesn't require much time. It's like very minimal, you know, an hour, maybe two hours a month kind of thing. A dryer is going to go or a dishwasher or, you know, there's a repair to be done or whatever. Um, but you know, I have things set up there, so it's automated with payments and, uh, I'm currently sitting in the property management role as we don't have tons and tons of doors to manage, uh, and the properties are local as well. So it doesn't require tons of my time, you know, driving or even flying, uh, for hours or days at a time. So, um, yeah, wanted to kind of make an episode around that, but also wanted to tie it um, back to how it ties in with goal setting. And so I wanted to just make this episode of just like, you know, real estate, in my opinion, is a very uh, powerful tool for wealth generation. And so I think the key is like when you grow your service business or whatever business you have, the goal is not to retire with like $5 million or $10 million of net worth, right? Like that's kind of a older generational thing where we actually like retire. Now, if you're listening to this episode, like I can probably bet you're not even going to be happy when you're retired because you're diseased, uh, a diseased entrepreneur like myself, where you always want to be doing one thing or creating a new business. Um, and so that like, that's just first thing off the top. But the goal, in my opinion, is not to like come to this point in time where you have like this fat bank account and then you don't have to do anything. Like, I think the goal is more about creating impact um, and creating, obviously, a great life for yourself and your family. But you want to really be able to come to a place in life where you can have cash producing assets. And I'm talking things that can pay you every single month. So, you know, in your service business, let's say you have a pressure washing business. Um, let's say you can generate, you know, $10,000 a month and you do $100,000 this year. Uh, and, and that's great, right? That's very much earned income, but you wouldn't have that $10,000 coming in if you weren't physically going out and doing the work, right? And so the key with a service business is, in my opinion, is to grow it to a point where it is able to run without you, right? And it, everyone's business is going to be different, but anywhere from like 750000 to like $2 million, I'd say if you could get a service business up into that range and run lean and watch your cost structures, there's going to be enough meat on the bone. You could have a, a bit of middle management be able to run that business. Uh, and you as the business owner can generate a 15, a 20, a 25% net profit margin. And you could even pay yourself a salary if you're bringing value to the business. But if you're just having the thing run, um, you could pay yourself through dividends. And that's where like, imagine running a million dollar business at a 20% net and you're in a CEO type of role uh, where the thing runs, you could take like a 12 to $15,000 uh, 
cash flow every single month for really not having to work like a whole lot. And quite honestly, if you love what you do, that's kind of like why you do it. So just kind of going down a rabbit hole here of like wealth generation. But I think the key is you want to get to a place in your life where you can have income coming from different money trees, I call it, or different income streams. And so when you look at multimillionaires across the world, they typically will have four, five, six, seven plus income streams, right? And so uh, for me right now, like it's really three that are prominent, right? There, There's um, real estate investments, there are uh, my coaching business online, and then what I'm doing with my home service business. So there's a level of cash flow per month on each of those businesses, um, which are which are funding me, which I'm then using to create more wealth. You know, doing uh, other things that I'm kind of talking about on this call. So for me, if you want to pull up and go on a macro level, I really think the service business exists to fund other investments right now obviously you want to hire great people take care of them pay them well but there will still be a cash flow that's kicked off to you the owner um, and once you have your needs met it becomes a matter of where do you want to put that money and so for me part of my strategy is using um, the profits to grow continuously grow revive but the additional profits we're actually saving up currently this year to purchase a, a commercial space that has a warehouse component as well as an office component. And so I wanna have a headquarters that we can plant our flag in for the next 10 plus years and say, hey, this is uh, you know, the Revive headquarters. And how it works is the owner, myself, my holding company will own that piece of real estate, which my service business will pay uh, a monthly rent to if that makes sense so you're basically getting a tax deduction for your operating business but you're also being able to pay yourself largely because you're paying your holding company the rent and all the more reason the place is going up in value and you're paying down the loan so and you have a home for your service business so it's kind of like a triple win and this is a pretty common thing that business owners will do when they get to a certain level, they'll start thinking, how do we generate wealth for the long term? How do we actually go about building out generational wealth? And so, you know, I it's my plan that we end up with this commercial space long term that goes up in value, that uh, is a great home for my service business. Um, and that will be a great tax write-off uh, as well. And so you got to look at this thing of like, what is the point of your service business? Where is this going long-term? And I've got friends too who use their service business, like use the profits to, you know, buy a nice personal home for themselves or other people love, you know, cars or water sports. And for me, it's like, I'm not into what uh, Robert Kiyosaki calls the doodads, right? When you pay, play his game cash flow. It's like he's all about saving up for cash generating assets, right? And it's like an asset puts money in your pocket, right? A business, a rental property, a stock that pays a dividend, um, clients that you may have, they put money in your pocket, right? A liability takes a dollar out of your pocket, right? And so it's like the common thing of like, oh, my home 
is the best investment. It's like, no, your home is actually a liability. It's taking money out of your pocket every month. Now, obviously, you need somewhere to sleep every night. And in my opinion, over 10 years, you're very, very likely going to be better to own the place because it's going to go up in value and you're going to pay down your loan. But at the end of the day, a home fundamentally takes money out of your pocket. So you want to just be smart in how you view this. Uh, other liabilities include, you know, fancy sports cars, boats and jet skis. And like, I, I don't know if I'm fortunate or what, but I'm just not... I, I spend all of, you know, 26 minutes every four years, like researching fancy cars. Like I just don't really care. Uh, I'm not a materialistic person. I own two pairs of pants. Like I'm just wear the same shirt every day pretty much. And it's just like, I'm a very simple person, but what really gets me going is like systems and growth uh, and motivation and health and real estate rentals and business development and leadership, like marketing. Like you look at this bookcase behind me, th there's no books there on like doodads and fancy things and style. Uh, it just does not get me going. So um, that's just kind of how I am. And so I've managed to have some success on the real estate side of things because I think I'm just very, very interested in it. And for me, it all kind of shifted, like I said, about eight, nine years ago, I bought my first um, property. And so I wanted to tie this into goal setting and just encourage you a little bit. Um, I was coming through business school and I was quite frustrated at the time. First of all, like I got concussions and that forced me out of soccer. You guys probably know that pushed me into run a student painting business. And the last year I ran that student painting business, I woke up every single day saying, I want to make enough income this year that I could purchase my own home and move out. And I was 23 years old at the time. And I knew from program from childhood that a home was a good investment. And quite honestly, I was just working so much. I was pretty much never home anyways and wanted to be on my own and have um, you know my own place to live and all that. So what ended up happening was that last year, I was able to save um, $42,000, which uh, was, was great, right? At the time, uh, and it still is a good amount of money, right? I saved $42,000. I lived really lean at home. Uh, I remember my parents were charging me room and board and I negotiated with my dad. I said, hey, if I can pay this whole year up front in rent, could I get a discount, right? And he ended up giving me a discount because um, I was able to pay the rent uh, up front that year. And I don't know if my siblings know that, but it just came to my head right now. So did kind of things like that, lived really lean. You know, our room and board included like food at home, which was awesome. And so I was driving like, I think actually I was driving one of my painting vehicles at the time, you know, I was writing off um, different costs, like, you know, my cell phone I was using for the business as fuel was for the business. So it was just like, I was like living at home technically, but like, really just running this business because I wanted to buy this condo so bad. So I saved up $42,000. I bought a one bedroom ground level condo for 199,000 plus tax. So it was $210,000 all in. I put 20% down because in Canada here, that's the, that's the percentage you have to put down to avoid something called CMHC, which is uh, basically mortgage insurance where you pay a heavier premium per month. I didn't want to have to deal with that. Uh, and I wanted to get the best rate possible from the bank. So I did that and um, that was great. So I lived on my own. There's my little bachelor pad for five years. And over those five years, I was paying down the mortgage. It was like $1,000 a month. Um, you pay strata here as well, which is like a monthly payment to have like 
your snow shovel, then your grass cut and whatever. Um, cause I was just all in business. I didn't want to have to deal with any of that stuff. And so, um, over five years, that thing, I bought it 210,000, like I said, all in my wife and I ended up selling it, um, just like two or three years ago now, I think almost three years now. And we sold it for, I want to say $385,000. And cause it was a prime residence, um, it went up while I lived there. So I didn't have to pay capital gains on that. So we basically took that whatever that gain is, right? 170,000 some odd dollars. And we went and tossed that into our next home. And then we moved up to a three bedroom townhome, right? And then we lived there for a short, short term. Then another home came up on the market. We put in an offer on Christmas day. We didn't think we would get it, uh, ended up getting that offer. And that's where we now live uh, currently. And so where we are in Canada, like the real estate is very expensive, right? I told you we paid I paid $210,000 back in the day for a one bedroom condo that now we sold for 385. That's worth probably around 450 ish. Um, and a, a detached home now where we live a little small house is like $1.6 million. So that's just the level of real estate that we're living in here on the West coast of Canada. So you might think it, it's crazy, but what happened through the pandemic was um, you know, the, it, it really put uh, working on working from home on the map and became a thing. And so automatically homes that have offices or a yard uh, went up fairly significantly in value. And I think with the volatility of the stock market, people saw real estate as a great investment. There's generational wealth being passed down. So there's a number of reasons that, um, you know, the, the market has risen tremendously. But you know, you're, you're, you don't have to be a miracle worker to be in the real estate market. I think it all starts with just having a goal. And so for me, um, it, it started with that first goal. I woke up every day. I'm like, I'm going to save $42,000. Like I'm just going to figure it out. And always what it starts with for me is visualizing. I always do what Napoleon Hill says, right? We begin with the end in mind. I, or maybe it was Dale Carnegie said that actually, I'm confusing my my mentors of books, but regardless, it's been said to begin with the end in mind. And so what I did early that year, I walked through actually 17 different condos spaces. And I knew when I saw this one for the price point and the value, I'm like, this is the one I want to get, right? And the same thing uh, I'm currently doing right now, I'm walking through commercial spaces with warehouses and offices with my realtor, because I, I want to visualize what that looks like. I have a floor plan drawn out what our service business is going to be doing there, um, which I'd love to hand off to my operations manager to kind of make it um, their own, make it revives own space. And so there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, I'm going to save up for a home. And I would say, what year is that home? What's the square footage? What's the layout? Um, how much is it per month? How much do you have to put down? What's the interest rate? Like these are all the things where the rubber meets the road. And for me, I'm just naturally on this type of stuff, like a fairly planned out person. And so I want to have all my ducks in the row. You want to be pre-qualified at the bank. You want to just be smart. But when I look at my journey in real estate, the last nine years, what we've been able to do um, yes, we're very blessed to live in an affluent area. I'm blessed to have business skills that I'm able to provide value in the market and use that money to create more. But what happens is 
as your real estate portfolio goes up in value, you can renegotiate properties and actually pull equity from properties and then go out and do another deal. And right now, um, money is just so cheap, right? You can get a half a million dollars from a bank for like 2.5% and just historically low interest rates. Now, obviously, those are going to go up at some time. But I think, you know, you, you want to be smart when you play this game of real estate. And it all just starts with getting that first property. So, you know, if you run a service business and you're growing, I would really think about how can I get in a space and actually have my holding company own that space uh, and pay myself rent every month. If you're finding you don't need a space, I would be thinking, how could I get a, a single unit or even get like a duplex type of thing? pay a little bit more and get in the market. I'd also be thinking what family or trusted friends have I known for 10 years that I would trust with my house key that I would go in on a joint venture with. These are the things I'd start to be thinking about. Like a deal I did um, back in 2016 is in our city here, what's called these coach homes, right? They have a home, um, like a, a three-story house with a basement suite and there's a suite above the garage and you can get pretty significant rent for all of those. And so those are, um, I ended up getting one of those back in the day too. And it all again, started with a goal. I needed to save up 20%. What's the purchase price? I walked through them. The market was going up in value. I figured out how much are we going to need to save? How can we make this work? How can we get this thing to cash flow? So you know, they're, they're, it's not like these real estate deals are are necessarily easy to do. But I always think I can't control the real estate market. What can I actually control? I can control my actions. I can control um, going out and visualizing what the space is. And then I can control doing all the math um, behind the scenes and making it very, very logical. So it's my goal down the road, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that I have real estate properties that are producing cash flow um, and I'm helping, you know, coach or, or lead or speak or do. I don't even know what the future will hold um, based on how so much fun the last eight to 10 years has been in entrepreneurship. But for me, it's not about retiring with a fat bank account. It's about creating impact and developing now cash producing assets, because I can guarantee you if you go out and look at, say, a duplex right now, you could get in your area, let's just say for $500,000. Like if you do any research on this in any market across North America, in 10 years, like that thing is very going to likely double in value. And so I have yet to not see this rule work. Um, now, obviously, there's going to be corrections. And I'm not a fan of real estate rentals where you pick up a deal you paint the place, add floors, and then you throw the realtor sign up and try list it. I'm way more in the, the business of like, can I buy this and hold it for 10 years or 20 years? Can I pull equity from that and go and do another deal? That's more what I'm talking about. And that's why it's like, oh, Dave, that's not, I had a friend tell me your, your real estate business is not sexy. It's so boring, right? I want more excitement. I'm like, okay, well, this is not a good business for you if you're looking for excitement, right? I just want a very steady business that generates wealth that doesn't take my time. Because when I look at where my time goes, it goes to my coaching clients and my online coaching business. It goes to 
my leaders at Revive at my home service business and my time goes to my family and it goes to myself, right? And so you got to look at like, I would have a a bit of a multi-tiered strategy here. I would ask myself, which current business is my operating company taking my time? Okay, likely your service business while you're listening to this. And I would think, what kind of business in 10 years would my future self thank me for building, right? And so I would look at where's my time very active? Yes, in the service business. Can you pick up a real estate rental, even go a joint venture with someone that over 10 years, the thing's going to move from 500000 to a million dollars and you just created you know, $500,000 of before tax income that you could then, if you don't sell it, you can pull equity and you can go and do another deal and then go do another deal. And as you grow your service business, you just got to be smart with this fact of you're going to start to create more income. You're going to have to get very smart with taxes. And in my opinion, you don't want to be pulling out a massive amount of personal income because at least where we are in Canada, you get taxed at like almost 50%, right? So imagine when you get to a certain level, imagine that you create, you know, a thousand dollars and you're losing $500 right off the top to pay taxes, right? Versus if you keep it in your corporation where we are in Canada here, you can keep a lot higher amount of that dollar, right? I don't know, it would depend on your situation, but you're gonna be able to put those dollars more to use than taking out a massive amount personally. So I've always said it as you scale your service business, take out what you need to live a great life on, right? But then look at where you could create a holding company or your business could own Um, you know, your holding company could own real estate, right? You want to just get smart because having a business means there's opportunities, but it also means that as an owner, you need to get um, very savvy and very educated with a proper way to set this up. And you don't want to start businesses that require all of your operating time, right? And so um, we were even looking at a business just over the break here a couple uh, months ago, to potentially buy right and we ended up turning it down just because it was going to be too much of a pull of my personal time i i knew i could take on this business grow it add value but just at this point where i'm at i don't have capacity in my schedule to take on another operating company and that's why you see guys and girls like who go on shark tank they're doing all these deals, right? They'll, they'll, Mark Cuban will make four deals in a one-hour episode. There's no way he's going out and it's giving much of his time, right? He's going to have a team that's just going to roll this into their portfolio. And that's like the highest level of business is really being an investor. And so that's what I'm getting at in this, in this episode here for you is look at your highest leverage of time where you can be an investor. And I don't, keynote I wanna make on this too, like real estate investing is not easy money, right? I remember when we got this coach home back in 2016, I was so stressed out the first like two months, I hired my buddy to put in uh, a a suite in the basement uh, and we suited the whole thing and it cost me like $12,000, which I barely had after I did the down payment and pay the lawyer fees and everything. And I think we painted the house got it ready to rent it out. And my buddy was taking my credit card to Home Depot, you know, swiping that credit card and, you know, putting bills through for 800 bucks at a time when I had like less than two grand in my checking account and I'm stressing out and it's like, you're trying to fill this unit. And so 
it was like the first couple years there was things coming up on like man this was this really worth it right i'm running thankfully the house was across the street from my condo so as when something went wrong i could zip over and usually take care of it um and i don't want you to get the impression i'm handy here because i'm not but by take care of it i mean go over and assess and then call my buddy who was handy to get him to come hire him to come fix it right i'm, I'm I, that's just kind of how i roll but at the end of the day the first two years was definitely heavy lifting with renovations and stuff coming up and you do need a thick skin and that's why i call it a separate business because you got to get this thing going but after a while it starts catching momentum and now I've had it for six years or so, and it's just been a tremendous asset. It's doubled itself in value. It provides a cash flow every month, and we've been able to pull equity from that property and do other deals. So that's what I'm getting at is look for like the non-sexy slow burn um, business that you can put time into and scale up. And a lot of you are looking at your service business that way. And, and I encourage you to as well, like the members of my coaching program, I always say like take a long-term approach with this business like how can you put in heavy lifting for the next 36 months here and grow your revenues from like 150,000 to 750 and get a manager in place and drop your time from 58 hours a week to like 7 hours a week right then you can start using cash flows to go and do other things so you got to do these things in stages but if you're going to play this game a long time like i have been in it now 13 14 years you're going to have income that comes in every month and if you're smart with that i would look at putting it into um, cash flowing properties such as i'm demonstrating uh, here with real estate i just think your future self is really going to thank you for it so yeah to sum up it really all does come back down to goal setting um, i just think to be a successful entrepreneur you need to be able to visualize the future right that's why we give up secure jobs is because we envision a brighter future that we want to go out and create we want to chase our dreams and so i think if you look at wealth generation over the country in the last bunch of years there's a, generally a tie back to a business of some kind and then generally a tie back to real estate right now when you're running your service business as well, it requires a tremendous amount of focus. And I didn't want to have a slow burn, you know, to my to my um, wealth, to my net worth, that was requiring a ton of time. Like I've got buddies that do stocks or Bitcoin, right? They're checking the stuff every day. They're reading all the articles they're doing. And I totally respect that. But for me, it's a it's a distraction from my main business that i'm trying to run here so that's why i love real estate is because it it's a great slow burn and it doesn't like once you get the thing set up you don't need to be constantly researching and researching it's kind of just like you don't have to be that smart to do it in my opinion now again i'm going with the strategy not where i'm putting lipstick on and flipping it right i'm i'm buying something and holding it for the long term i view tenants very much like employees you take care of them uh, a little hack when you get tenants i do a deep dive research on market value of rent and then i always bring it down about 10 percent because i want to have a massive funnel of people that i could pick from and it's the same way with employees but i go the other way uh, I actually find out the industry average and I jack it up 10 or 15% because I'm going to get a better person. So 
you know, little hack 101. And this is this is learning from yours truly here. Don't get greedy trying to cream the market with the absolute premium rent. Um, you're you're going to close yourself off from a lot of tenants. And again, I know what I can create with a key focus in my service businesses. Um, I, I don't care if I'm getting an extra hundred or two or three hundred dollars a month. Um, you know, from someone paying absolutely premium, I'd rather have the right long-term fit. And same with employees. I full well know I overpay some employees by a few dollars per hour. They make my life tremendously easier. I'll gladly pay someone a few dollars more per hour to make my life easier and they can be happier themselves as well. So feel free to fire me any questions, guys. I think this one was maybe a little bit deeper and um, in inside of a niche more of like, where are you going long-term with this thing? But it does really fascinate me. And I don't think that your service business alone is going to generate enough wealth that you can kind of like cruise control it. I could be totally wrong and you, you could totally surprise me and I would love that. But like, 99% of the time you want to make your money from your service business as you grow it. Um, and then you want to use that cash flow and put it into these long-term investments. And imagine in like 10 years, if you can take your service business, add it into uh, real estate that your holding company owns, rather than selling your service business, say for $500,000 just for fun, you're selling it then for $2 million because you have a service-based business with a strong client base and a strong team of employees. And you also have it married to real estate. And you can look at options too, right? Maybe you just sell the service business then and you keep the real estate and that new buyer pays you every single month and you own the real estate. So again, it like kind of diversifies your risk a little bit from the service business. And it just adds in this like heavy anchor of like an asset that you now own. And so again, approaching this long term, I'd be thinking, how could I dream about that and set a big goal for that in three years or five years or whenever I have enough money to put down um, to, to do something like that. And don't lose sight of the fact either, I think getting to first base with growing your service business is first purchasing the equipment and the vehicles and like you just need a lot of capital. We've been at it now for five years, reinvesting the profit the business has been making because we're growing so quickly. So you got to do that step one. But this real estate play is for like over and above additional cash flow, right? Where you can be investing into uh, a unit of some kind. So again, long-term strategy, but if you're building this long-term, my opinion, I'm not a guru, but I don't think you're gonna lose over the long run with real estate. Have I seen dips over the last bunch of years? Yes, I have. But when you judge it from where was it 10 years ago, my opinion, you're gonna come out in the positive. And once you get the right tenants, um, I don't think it's going to take a significant amount of your time, but you do need to be aware anytime you take something on in life, there will be problems. I don't like to call them problems. I like to call them opportunities because we always want to be learning from them. So if this landed with you guys, fire me over an email. I picked up a few cool emails from you guys last week. You can hit me up, Dave at homeservicebusinesscoach.com. Again, I do this episode for free. I thank you for lending me your ears for the last 35 some odd minutes. I hope that you picked up something here. And if you want to ever chat business or real estate or coaching or whatever, fire me over an email. 
I'd love to connect with you and really appreciate you listening in. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. God bless and take care. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.